The D'Amico Show starts now. Welcome to the D'Amico Show. I'm Steve D'Amico. D'Amico means friendly in Italian, which describes my demeanor probably half the time. I can be a prick here and there, but I'm good hearted, so it all evens out. This podcast is going to feature special guests. We're going to hear their personal stories, and we're going to take a deep dive into human consciousness, sexuality, entertainment, current events, aliens, ancient history, the cosmos, and it will all be done in a funny, lighthearted way. Because if you want to be enlightened, you just need to lighten up on yourself. It's exactly what I told my parents when I asked for a flashlight for Christmas. Didn't work. Today's episode will be featuring questions that have been submitted, and I'll do my best to answer them, and hopefully it gives you guys some insights into my crazy, crazy mind. So let's get to it. If you could go back to high school, what is one thing you would change? If I could go back to high school and do it all over again, I probably would have just come out of the closet sooner. I didn't do it till my mid-20s. I just didn't feel equipped and with the resources to do that back at that age, being a teenager or being in high school. I actually came out to my family, my parents and two brothers at the age of 19, but didn't come out to friends and I guess Instagram and the rest of the world till maybe like 25 or 26. My high school was in a suburban town, Massachusetts, and it's not that people were hateful or bullying me or stuffing me into a locker, but I just felt there was a hostile view towards gay people. And I just didn't think that I could take it on. There was enough anxiety and stress in my life that I just felt that in that setting, I couldn't overcome it. And I'm not saying I'm Mr. Heterosexual, but Amelia Earhart had better radar than the people at my school. Maybe if I had some kind of doula for coming out, that could have benefited me. Steve, what is one thing you hated about having Brian as a roommate? Brian is a co-host of mine on the Three People on a Couch podcast, if you guys haven't seen it. It's a great little podcast we do with Brian, myself, and Amanda. I actually was living with Brian when we started doing the podcast. Having a roommate who you're friends with and who has similar interests in a similar lifestyle to you can be great. One thing I found a little bit frustrating, and this is a general grievance I have with living with another person, is the organization of the fridge, the shared space of the fridge and freezer. I need a separation of church and state. I need to clearly see my items to be able to mentally organize my meals. You know, if you have produce in there, but it's shoved behind a bunch of other stuff and you forget about it, there's a countdown clock to these items. Buying produce is another form of taking care of a living thing. You need to organize yourself and tend to it in a timely manner. A friend will ask me, hey, do you want to go out tonight? I'm like, I can't, I have spinach. Hi, Steve. I was wondering if you have a preference since you live a bi-coastal lifestyle. Do you prefer the East Coast? Is West the best? Um, I'm sure there's advantages to both, but where's your heart at? Yeah, so I'm from New England and I've lived out in Los Angeles for over a decade. So I'm in one of those positions where neither really feels 
like my home, but they both feel like my home at the same time, if that makes sense. There's definitely advantages to both. I love going back to my hometown area in Massachusetts and just feeling like more of my childhood self, reconnecting with the per- the person that grew up here and the person that went through all of the different trials and tribulations to become the person I am now. And I love being in Los Angeles because there's so many opportunities and people to meet from all different walks of life and you never know what can happen on a day-to-day basis. I feel like every city has their idiosyncrasies that make them unique. You know, you go and get a physical in New England, the nurse walks in, she'll be like, let's have a look at that grundle, hon. Okay, thanks, Mass Health. So yeah, I would say all in all, my if I had to choose, my heart is on the East Coast. Where should one draw the line when it comes to fulfilling your dreams and other people's costs? Um, what's the Venmo daily limit? I think a person in this situation needs to ask themselves, is this endeavor based in my greatest good? Am I being transparent with the people in my life from whom I'm asking things? Whether it be time, money, resources, and am I respecting the other person's sovereignty to live their life the way they choose to, regardless of what I'm pursuing? Say your dream is to become the president and you're married and you have children and you're campaigning and putting all of your time and money into this endeavor. You're hemorrhaging the family bank account. You're never seeing your kids. Your electricity is about to get shut off because you bought a house that's way too big because all you wanted was to become the president. I think you've crossed the line in that the cost is far greater than the pursuit of this dream at that point. So I guess my point being is that we should all take a objective look at what our dream is and decide if that is truly what you want deep down. It it is who you are. It's your soul's calling. Or is it an endeavor that's based in vanity, greed, ego, narcissism? Something to look at. Hey, Steve. Big fan of your podcast and your show. Been following you for many years now. I have to ask, I don't understand what this ass-eating craze is. Is it a Nicki Minaj thing? Did she start this? I don't understand. Never really got into it, both receiving and giving. And apparently I'm an outcast in the gay community for it. So can you please explain what all the hype is about? I think Freud was onto something with the psychosexual stages of development we go through throughout childhood. Oral stage, anal stage, phallic stage. I'm not sure how much he practiced what he preached, but I remember his wife saying that every time she rang a bell, he would eat her ass. We're seeing a huge spike in ass play amongst gay people, straight people, men, women. I think there's far less shame and a lot more curiosity to explore the different parts of the body. Eating ass is having its moment right now. I always say analingus is the new hummus. I think everything to do with sex starts in the mind. It might just be a matter of the right person, the right mindset, and after giving it a fair shot, it might just not be your thing. There's a saying that goes, there can be a hundred people in a room and 99 of them tell you no, but there's still one person there that is willing to eat your ass, and that's really all that counts. Do you prefer to text or call? 
I feel like we really lose a lot of the intimacy of communication when we default to texting one another as opposed to a traditional phone call. When we're texting, we're basically outsourcing our thoughts into this simulation of letters and numbers that it gets our point across transactionally, but it leaves a lot to be filled in by the other person of what does this person actually mean? How does this person feel about what they're saying? I feel like phone calls are starting to go out of style and it sucks to see, especially amongst the younger generation. You ask a kid to call 911 and he'll just be like, well, can I text it? Hey, I locked myself and my family in my bedroom. The killer's downstairs, but I think he's going to leave soon. 911 likes this. Do you believe in the possibility of intelligent life on other planets, whether in this solar system or beyond? I think extraterrestrial life exists on this planet, exists on other planets, other solar systems, this solar system. I think extraterrestrials have been on the Earth the entire time. They come and go through different dimensions. They walk among us. And I truly, truly hope that we have contact with them in this lifetime because I don't want to pay off my student loans. So I need them to come down and take care of it. But in all seriousness, I, I think it would be foolish to believe that we are the only sentient life out there. And I think we are beginning to have the slow rollout of disclosure. And our government, for whatever reason, believes that they are protecting us by hiding all this information from us. But we have to, as a human race, show and demonstrate that we are capable of handling the truth of who we are, where we are, who we've been, and who we are becoming. Hey Steve, had a question for you. So the other day I'm on a coffee date with a beautiful woman and just as she's leaning over talking to me I feel the Rio Grande start to slip up my butt cheeks. Any advice on how to keep an explosive shit at bay? You gotta pregame the coffee date by having coffee at your home beforehand and get it all out of your system so by the time you get there you are as vacant as a Holiday Inn in Fallujah you need to be there on your A-game, and that means your bowels have got to release everything that is built up. Let the nerves, let the excitement run through an empty vessel. That's my advice because it's going to happen, and you don't want to spend your date squirming in your seat making small talk before you prairie dog your way to the bathroom and have to do all your business under 60 seconds to stay within the perceived threshold of urination. Don't do it. Do you think the over-sexualization and demonization of the LGBTQ plus community are hurting the community's goals in the long run of receiving full civil rights? I think that we can definitely express ourselves with healthy boundaries and lead with integrity as we present ourselves to the world. We don't always have to lead with sex. And I know even I've put out content that it's sexual in nature and a lot of us feel like that's the easiest way to say, hey, this is who I am. And we've kind of created a culture around that. Even gay pride. Why can't we just have hugging and kissing and embracing each other with that love? Do we need some dude on his knees on Santa Monica Boulevard? 
I don't think so. Melrose? That would be okay. We have parades honoring veterans who served in Vietnam, but they're not up on the floats smoking opium and banging hookers. We can show that we are equal and we are worthy of being here in the world through our hearts, through our minds, through our creativity, our imagination. We're a community made of individuals that have been hurt throughout our lives. A lot of us since childhood, we've been neglected, abused, disenfranchised, alienated, and the pain and trauma is real. But I know for sure that just expressing this hurt and overcompensating for it through sex is not the full picture. There's a Sanskrit saying, neti neti, which means I'm not this, I'm not that. That saying meaning I'm not any of these temporary physical experiences. What I am is infinite, eternal consciousness. I'm a male, I'm a doctor, I'm a grocery store clerk, I'm bisexual, my pronouns are they, them, I'm Republican, I'm Democrat, I am a cocksmooch. If pride events can lead with consciousness, peaceful conviction that who we truly are is spirit and that we're all one, we're going to get so much further than leading with sex, I promise you. I recently wanted to get an STI screening of HSV and my doctor's gave me the hardest time. And I've been down the rabbit hole about why the medical field is so wishy-washy about STI screening for HSV. Let's get into it. Why is that? I have a theory, but it's a very dense topic. I think that's because HSV, AKA herpes, is not inherently life-threatening. There's just a large stigma around it because of the way it tends to manifest on the body. But it's not something that's actually threatening to someone's health. If you grew up in the 90s, you probably had chicken pox. That's one of them. If you had mono, Epstein-Barr, that's another. A lot of people already have these viruses within them and it's not threatening their health. So I think that's why they don't do it. And I think Possibly the other reason why is it's tough to screen for if the virus is dormant or not. If it's dormant, I think they have trouble actually detecting it. So they just don't want to give any definitive answer either way. I know most gay guys are on what I call the FAP protocol. That's finasteride, Adderall, and PrEP. But those three things aren't going to prevent herpes. So if that's something you're trying to avoid, then I would take that into consideration. Hey, Steve. So my question to you is, um, you know, considering how dating is in today's world and how it used to be like 10 to 15 years ago, do you think like this is the end of a traditional relationship or like a traditional marriage because I feel like everybody's embracing polyamory and, uh, you know, monogamous relationship is like a big thing now. So what are your thoughts uh, on like the relationships nowadays?
I think the reason for this is the explosion of technology we've undergone over the last 25 years or so. Whereas it used to be, I'm going to marry Betty Sue because she lives down the street from me. Now it's like, okay, you're cool, but all I have to do is take my phone out and I'm connected to billions of other people all around the world. I think people opening their relationship or designing their relationship to allow for that outlet of additional sexual or romantic partners is a way to avoid becoming another one of those divorce statistics. We live in a dopamine excessive world and as technology progresses, I think we're gonna see less and less monogamy. People don't wanna feel like they're being restricted or missing out. I personally would prefer long-term monogamous relationships. If that means five years, 10 years, 20 years, lifelong, and if the passion wanes or the love transforms into a more platonic love, you go your separate ways amicably and you continue on with your life. As long as both people are on the same page, then do what works best for you. As long as no one's getting hurt and everyone's transparent about what they want out of the, the relationship, the style of the relationship, the people involved in the relationship, live your life. But none of these polyamorous gift registries, I'm not buying waffle irons for three people. Okay, my question is, when you're having anal, how do you as a bottom do it comfortably when it's a, uh, let's just say, I guess the best way to describe it is a monster cock. So you're already with someone that you care about and that you feel emotionally connected to. That's step one. Now you got to figure out the vibe that is going to make you the most comfortable, the most flexible, and make this whole process a seamless transition into Pound Town. Maybe it's a few drinks, maybe it's a few hits of something, maybe it's toys, maybe it's him revving you up in the way that you need. And then I'd say definitely use some kind of lube. You can use spit. If you're on a ketogenic diet, maybe coconut oil and just ease yourself into it. Don't get discouraged. The bottom and empire wasn't built in a day. And remember, there's a reason why we don't give birth out of our ass because it's not as flexible as your vagina. So it's gonna take that psychological component and the anatomical flexibility and malleability to become a pro at it. And remember what Al Pacino says in any given Sunday, life's a game of inches. You got this. All right. Yeah, my question is, do you agree with transgendered females participating in women's sports? This is such a tough one because you don't want to be taking away from biological female athletes and their success and potential, and you want them to have a fair shot. I was originally going to say, let's have a separate transgender Olympics where transgender athletes can showcase their abilities and show the world that they can do. And then I was going to say they should be allowed to compete as long as they transition before puberty and don't have any physiological advantage over the other athletes. But I feel like I've changed my stance the longer I think about it. In my opinion, souls have been incarnating and expressing themselves as gay or transgender in waves throughout history to serve as a reflection of the polarities of the genders and the need for the genders to be more balanced and to coexist with one another harmoniously. We've been seeing that reflection in the form of gay and trans people off and on throughout, throughout history. We're going through another one of those highly concentrated waves because the world has become 
off balance again. The first Olympics were in 1896, and that was a completely different time. So I think all transgender athletes should be able to compete in the regular Olympics. And let's let the Olympics of today reflect the times, the culture, and what's actually going on in the year 2023. Okay, my question is, why does America in its society act like the past never existed with African-Americans as far as discriminating against them was actual law? I think human beings experience trauma on multiple different levels, personally, family-wise, and then also more collective levels based on your gender, based on your race, based on any history your ancestors ethnically may have went through. And we all experience collective trauma just being on the earth right now. The only way I see forward for people to heal the atrocities that have been done in the past is to, on the personal level, expand your world, connect heart to heart with people that are different from you. And once we do that, we'll expand our consciousness and realize we're actually not that different at all. I think a lot of people are uncomfortable looking at that trauma and they don't want to feel that pain. So they repress it and they push it out of sight as much as they can. But it's 2023 and we can't be sweeping things under the rug anymore because there's hundreds and hundreds of years worth of things swept under there already. And if we don't start processing what we've been through as a species, we're going to continue to lose sight of who we actually are and the direction that the planet is going in. I don't want to get too off topic and I don't want this to come off as insensitive, but I've done a lot of research about the histories of the earth, the cosmos, different extraterrestrial species, and I believe that they're has been slavery imposed upon many, many, many civilizations throughout the cosmos. And there's a lot of evidence that points to human origins being based in slavery. The creation of Homo sapien itself very well could have been based in slavery. You can look up the Anunnaki if you want to learn more about that. So I know that every person alive today knows what it feels like to have your freedom taken away from you because it's within our genetic lineage. It's within our DNA. And we need to stop denying and refusing to look at the fact that there are fellow humans that have experienced that to a far greater degree. And the only way that we are going to evolve and grow as a species is to integrate those traumas and learn from them. Once we fully feel it, then we can learn from it and transform our civilization. Hi, Stevie. Maddie here. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, I'm obviously a huge fan of your video series of old people reading your depraved grinder messages out in front of Walmart. Uh, shout out to that video. Everyone check it out if you haven't. However, I'm super curious to hear from you what the most crazy, weird, bizarre, unhinged interaction is that you've had on Grinder, or just a bizarre experience you've had in general on the apps. Thanks for taking my call. Bye. A few years back, I was talking to this guy for a few weeks and we decided we wanted to meet. 
He gives me the address. I show up there. I walk in. It's a bunch of ramps and first aid kits, chess boards, bingo cards, oxygen tanks. But I still maintained hope that this was the person I was talking to. So I get on the elevator. My heart's pounding. I get to the third floor, knock on the door. As the door slowly begins to open, a cascade of memories that I've shared with this person floods my mind. All the laughs we shared, the beautiful photos. A virtual stranger has peered into my soul. The first thing I see is a mop of white hair. I'm face to face with an 80 year old man. He says to me, well, you're already here. I was just so stunned. It was such a sobering and upsetting moment. By the time I put my pants back on, I couldn't even process what had just happened. That concludes this little Q&A. The episodes moving forward are going to be featuring guests. They're going to be a little bit different. But if you guys enjoyed this, then maybe I'll do it again sometime. Thanks for listening. This is The D'Amico Show. Catch you next time.